Very excited to sit down tonight and watch the ultimate Thanksgiving movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Right? Isn't it the ultimate Thanksgiving? Did I say Christmas? No, you did. Okay, You said Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving movie. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around, is that an accurate statement or not? I don't know. I just I saw everyone saying it on social media. Is he going home with them for Christmas, or is it for Thanksgiving? I like I, I'm it. guessing if people are saying it's a Thanksgiving movie, it's got to be he's going home for Thanksgiving. True story. Gets me every time, man. Gets me every single time. I like me. My wife likes me. And even though when you look at it, back at it, then it's even more sad because his wife's dead. And you're like, oh, gosh, this poor sap. John Candy's third, third greatest movie. Third. Behind? The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, then Planes, Trains, and Automobiles uh, being carefully and closely chased by Summer Rental. Have you seen Summer Rental? I've seen, like, none of these. What? I know. I haven't seen the one where they try to invade Canada yet. That's him and Matthew uh, Perry uh, starring that. But I'm sure I'm leaving something out. That was just off the top of my head. Well, that sounds – I mean, that's – You haven't seen The Great Outdoors? No, and that sounds very interesting on the invading Canada. That should just be what the back of the DVD says. They try to invade Canada or something like that. That's that's <laughs> that's my movie breakdowns for you. <laughs> like, what is the movie about? Like, I don't know. I think they're trying to like invade Canada Boom. or something like that. Done, sold, <laughs> click, Netflix, you win again. Uh what what did I leave out on the John Candy movie? Uh, see, okay. This is good. This is good. That I I wasn't a big cool runnings fan. I was like, oh, that's a that's a neat story. Didn't really think it needed a movie, but okay. Um, Spaceballs, very good, very good. John Candy and Spaceballs was really good. The problem that I have with Spaceballs is when I watch it now, I feel like someone's waiting to cancel it. (laughs) Go watch Spaceballs, Eddie Murphy Delirious, and, um, oh gosh, what's the the other Mel Brooks movie about the Cowboys? I'm just waiting for those three to get canceled. Thank you, uh, Tyler. Blazing Saddles. Someone's gonna have to go back and get an S load of dimes. Maybe it was nickels. So great. I, I would just say this: of those that I mentioned, and this all comes up because we we're talking about planes, trains, and automobiles being the best Thanksgiving movie there is. I would definitely have to say the Great Outdoors. The Great Outdoors is one you must see. Him and Dan Aykroyd, just fantastic. Yeah, that's a nice little pairing for sure. Um, Gunny, I can't say that on the air, but I appreciate you dropping a few lines from Blazing Saddles on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. All right, listen, I don't want to get people mad at me. Back to Sports Guy is resonating in my dome right now. So here we go. Let's start with Brent Venable's opening statement, and then we'll go in-depth on clock management. I still think it's fantastic that Tyler heard me from the other room and immediately was able to help me. That just made my day. Have you found the Invade Canada movie yet? <laughs> Hold on. Let's see here. John, I'm going to look for John Candy Invades Canada. Um, Invade Canada movie, yeah. Oh, Canadian bacon. There you go. <laughs> there it is. That, right. was, that was the Google search, too. It was ready for it. Did not do well at the box office, it looks like. 
when your box office receipts are $178,000, probably not good. Okay, here was Brent Venable's opening statement from yesterday's press conference. This is is not John Candy. This is not John Candy. Oh, wait for it. Is it not working? It should be. Is this a me problem right now? It would appear so. Oh, no. All right. Let's, uh, we're broke. We're down. We're down. Man down. Nothing seems to be working right now on the Plank Show's computer. I'm playing it, and it looks like it's playing, and my audio's turned all the way up, but it looks like we have a problem. Yeah, it's not muted or anything? I promise you it's not muted right now, but here we are. Sad, sad day where my ability to play audio, which worked so well in the first segment, is now G-O-N-E gone. See, that's not muted. That's not muted. Let's try this. Let's try it from here. Can you hear that? Ship. Wow. All right, you heard that. Uh, there, there we go. Really there we go. Uh, excited right. for the senior. It just had to blow in it and push the cartridge down. A L- little dust in there, maybe. All right, here we go. Really strong win uh, against Oklahoma State, and uh, really proud of our team for and coaches for, for being prepared. Uh, loved how we started. Uh, loved the fight and the grit uh, that the defense in particular showed uh, to finish. Uh, we had too many lulls uh, in the game uh, offensively. Uh, but we did enough in all three phases to uh, have tremendous game control and uh, where the game's never in doubt. And, again, just love the improvement that I've seen with a bunch of players, different units, uh, creating turnovers, attacking the line of scrimmage. Uh, really uh, excited for the seniors to be able to uh, leave in their last game uh, at the Palace uh, with a win, certainly against our rival. Uh, adds a little more to it for obvious reasons. And then we got a great challenge now finishing out the regular season, going out to, to Texas Tech, a uh, much improved Texas Tech team, playing with a lot of confidence right now. And as we know, uh, you know, Tech plays really well at home, and they've played well on the road, but they play really well uh, at home. So not an easy place to go out and play. They'll, they'll have the place packed out uh, for the Sooners. Uh, they'll do a tremendous job in the environment and the atmosphere. So um, you know, my challenge to the team is, you know, hopefully they're not satisfied uh, with with uh, winning a sixth game. And we got a lot of football still in front of us, opportunity to uh, really um, continue to create some momentum for us going into uh, postseason play. And again, a great challenge. We're going to need to play well uh, this week. All right, we got we got more coming from this, obviously. But here's here's a question that is. I don't know if it's been debated much. Maybe it's more of a philosophical thing that I'm curious about, Josh. And I'm not, you know, Ted says this a lot. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not there at practice, so I don't know. But you would hope it's not a feeling of satisfaction by just winning six. Because if if that culture – in I think there's – I think this – is it December 6th when the transfer portal opens up officially? I think there's going to be a lot of Sooners that are in there. I really do. And I know you can go in the portal anytime you want. But was it even close? Is that the – you can go in anytime you want. But when when guys can start becoming official is that championship weekend. In other words, go anytime you want. You can say, I'm transferring. I have declared bankruptcy. But, I mean, there's a paper trail and a process you need to go to. We'll go through it. But, anyway um, – I'm of the firm belief that it's probably going to be a fairly busy portal season for OU. Just 
handful of guys and maybe feel like they can get opportunities elsewhere. Maybe they're not as bought in as they should be. Maybe they made made the decision to change positions and it never really materialized for them. Whatever it might be, I think it's going to be a relatively busy portal season for the Sooks. Not a and not in a bad way. I don't think you're going to look up and go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do without that guy? I just think you're going to see some people that opt for opportunities elsewhere. Sure. But my hope is that those who are about the foundation and the culture that Brent Venables is trying to build, I hope that they're not just satisfied with winning six and beating OSU. All right, was I anywhere close to being right on that? The board adopted the following notifi- notification of transfer windows. False sports. A 45-day window beginning the day after championship selections are made in their sport. Boom, there you go. Or May 1st through the 15th. Okay. So with that being – oh, wow, I had not checked my phone in a while. Sorry, y'all. Um, with that selection day then being December 4th, I keep saying the 5th, it would be the 6th. Uh, the, the, I keep saying the 6th, it would be the 5th. So uh, selections will be made on that Sunday the 4th. Right. So officially that portal window opens up on December the 5th. If, am I understanding that correctly? Sounds like yeah. Provided they notify their schools in writing, you have to let designated notification. And, of transfer okay, window. so also another little thing that I had a little birdie tell me is that a lot of if it's why do I always forget the people that enforce the rules? Compliance. Thank you. A lot of times, compliance officials already have a handful of those letters that people have submitted to them. So there might be like ten on the desk of a. Jason Leonard right now. Yeah, they know. They know, and it's like, okay, as soon as I get, I'll process this for you. We wish you best of luck. You know, it's so. In other words, it's not, it's not someone sitting down on December fourth uh, writing a dear John letter. I mean, a lot of these things have been submitted. And I wonder how many times the letter like that gets submitted, and you get quote unquote recruited back in that in between time. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. We saw it with the OEs, right? Sure we did. Uh, all right. Still works. Here is one fi- one final look back on Saturday's clock management conversation. And I thought the way that Garen Emick asked the question was fantastic. And, you know, for Brent Venables, it's been, you know, let's see, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's been 72 hours of, you know, looking back at the tape doing a radio show about it, and then, of course, having the excitement of the morning press conference with the media. So here was what Coach V had to say about if he's learned anything as a coach, right, the the lessons he talked about. Garrett, frame the question. Learning um, learning season for you first time as a head coach, what did you learn about late-game situations and clock management? Yeah, we again, we, we ran the ball 16 of our last 18 you know, snaps. We, we, we should have huddled you know, the whole fourth quarter. But we're also trying to, you know, Oklahoma State did not come in here this having this impenetrable defense. They were uh, a defense that had not played consistently well, and we thought there was a lot of opportunity. What we didn't do philosophically was stay aggressive in, in what we were doing uh, like we did the first quarter. And and so, yeah, learned, learned uh, you know, uh, we got to stay more aggressive. Uh, particularly in the third quarter, and and again in the fourth quarter, uh, needed to huddle and and take our time and run the clock down. Uh, even though we were running the ball, uh, you know we're you know things happen, 
that we weren't on the field long enough. Can we now officially close that door or no? Yeah, no, we can until the next instance (laughs) arises. Really, that's where we're at, right, is – what is what has been our charge for really the entirety of the season since things kind of went south versus TCU and Texas is show growth, right? Show tangible growth. And to steal a little bit of a Venables phrase here, holistically, right? Ooh, show growth. So just across the board, show growth. And I think we saw, we've seen defensive growth this last four-game stretch here. Okay, well – now show me if a similar situation arises offensively, Plank. I don't want to see, want to see tempo w- getting run. In I want those, to see growth. In those types of instances, yes. I I know everyone thinks I'm an over-the-top homer for Jeff Levy. And and I would basically say, you're right. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You are 100% right. I think I think he is awesome. And I think he's learning a lot. I do. You know, I don't think this has been brought up much, but his whole mantra has always been left lane hammer down, right? Even going back to the days at at Baylor. But you don't, you know, you got to, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but when he was calling plays at Ole Miss, you still had an offensive-minded coach in Lane Kiffin who, you know, we've we've dubbed an offensive genius, and understandably so, that you can rely on. They might say, well, hey, right here, let's do this. Yes, sir. You know, Brent Venables, one of the things with Jeff coming here is he's the man. The offense is his. And I think Coach Venables has learned even a little bit. You know, what, what was it last week where he goes, you know, all them plays, the ones that work, let's go back to using those, right? Yeah, yes. We don't have to – you know when it was working, when you got it out, so just keep doing that. Let, let's, let's keep doing that. And so I think it's been a learning process for Levy. I really do. And I think the royal we – are going to benefit from it because he's going to be a better recruiter. He's going to have a deeper quarterback room next year. Um, You're going to see, I think, more receivers be a part of this, more playmakers. You know, I I hope the Jaden Gibsons and Nick Andersons of the world aren't lulled by the transfer portal. I hope they stick around. I really do. And I think they've got a chance to be really special. But it's, it's a learning process for him, too. It sucks. Because you, you hate to see some of these things play out, but I think they're, that Oklahoma is going to be better because of it. All right, um, quick break. When we come back, here's, here's what else I've got from the BV Presser. The, um, the want to continue to build momentum over the final two games now of the season. What he's seen from both Braden Willis and C.J. Colton. got a little Matt Wells here and uh, – Boy, man, I have really got to work on my handwriting. Um, Balancing loyalty. Plus, everybody is all in on John Candy movies right now on the Air Comfort Solutions text line because we talked about how in planes, trains, and automobiles, it's the true Thanksgiving classic. And nobody, and I mean nobody, epitomized family and friendship more than Del Griffith. Happy 35th, Del. Is it his birthday today? Well, I don't know. It was released in '87, so. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like, because there is some some parts of the movie where, like, there's an ID, and you know how everyone like today would have been McLovin's 41st birthday. <laughs> yeah, which I don't like those. It's 
That's very alarming. Agreed. All right, quick break. It's uh, 10-19, hour two of the Plank Show, brought to you in part by Allison Insurance. When we come back, more from the Brent Venables press conference right here on The Ref. Watching me try to plug in my audio was an experience there. All right, let's let's play a couple of cuts here real quick. Then I want to get the, the text line is on fire today. Though I don't know how anyone can rank John Candy movies without seeing The Great Outdoors. I really don't. That is, where was this? That was, uh, somebody had texted, and here it is. John Candy movies ranked Planes, Trains, and Automobiles 1, Summer Rental 2, Stripes. Stripes is pretty good. Seven, lighten up, Francis. And what? Brewster's Millions. I would doubt you've seen any of those. No, I've done a poor job on. Brewster's Millions has an incredible premise, though. Brewster's, uh, is, it's Richard Pryor and John Candy. And in that movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Richard Pryor, I don't want to give it away or spoil the ending or anything. <laughs> I think I'm okay to spoil. But essentially, uh, John Candy is like hired as what? His personal photographer. And Richard Pryor has to spend all of his uncle's like millions of dollars, but he can't spend any of the money on himself. And if he gets through this stretch where he doesn't spend any of it on himself, he gets like the ultimate. Yeah, he gets a lot of lot of yeah. money. Yeah, but it's pretty good. But I don't think you can honestly rank LG Sooner sixty three. I don't think you can rank John Candy movies unless you've seen The Great Outdoors. I just don't think you can. And I would just say this too. Go ahead. Which movies does he have the most prominent roles? Right? Like, are we ranking based on what the best movies are? I'm prominent or- role. Yeah, and you're going off of what are John Candy's best performances. That's right. That's right. Uh, Sooner Lisa had brought up Blues Brothers. But oh, man. Unfortunately, it's not It's not a massive role for John Candy. Home Alone, he's got a very memorable role in it, but it's a very small role. And someone had texted in. Four hundo. That he only made 400 bucks for that? And shot all of the takes in one day and was done. Oh, and man. probably thought at the time, gosh, what a waste of my time. <laughs> You know what I mean? And little did he or anybody know that Home Alone was going to become one of the all-time classics. Well, and honestly, if you think about it, it's one of the more memorable roles from that movie, right? Sure. It's He's the polka guy. And they, they put the back of a – well, you know, me and the guys are getting together. Gus Polinsky, Polka King. Maybe you heard of us? No? But, yeah, it's, it's like all these little moments you're right add together for greatness. Oh, gosh, Get Back to Sports Guy is resonating in my dome right Do now. Do we have so. a couple of those? Uh, in my head, in my head, Josh, I told you. Nobody lives more rent-free in Chris Plank's head than Get Back to Sports Guy. All right, um, here is BV, and I thought this was really good. I'm glad Carrie asked this question. Carrie Murdoch, unofficial 40. Uh, would never admit it, but one of my guys. He would never admit that he likes me. But here is – Why would he not? I don't know. Kerry's got to act like he doesn't like anyone when he's like the greatest dude on the planet. This this person that you see on Twitter. It's a persona. He's awesome. He's a great dude. So, with that in mind, uh, Kerry asked about collectives. And I like this. I, I like the way Brent answered it, and then I want to give you a couple things that your boy has learned over the last couple of days as well. I guess it would help if I plugged it all the way in. Yeah, absolutely. I think most recently, I think there's uh, all hands on deck. 
Uh, I think our leadership has been strong and uh, more like everyone else, trying to navigate it. And uh, there's a constant feed of, of uh, information. Uh, some of it's accurate, some of it's not. And you're trying to manage all of that, understanding that how, how long-term is this? Uh, and so do we want to uh, wait and try to figure it out, or are we going to be aggressive and, and, be, and be able to make a hard left or hard right-hand turn when we need to? And so I've been really pleased with uh, leadership here at the university uh, and, and, again, the support, you know, with the right people, you know, on the outside. I don't spend a lot of time on it, and I get the information, uh, you know, I've shared philosophically how I feel about, you know, this space. Um, I think it's a, uh, there can be plenty of good things. Um, my only concern is that we don't lose sight of the true value of what going to college uh, is all about and using the stage and the platform the right way to uh, educate, uh, to be informative, to uh, promote and help these guys, uh, you know, with their platforms and chase all of their dreams, facilitate all of their dreams. That's a great thing. But don't lose sight of the value of, uh, you know, an education, getting your degree, holistic development, becoming a man, developing uh, and taking all the transferable skills that the game of football managing um, their day-to-day uh, -day lives, you know, how that can impact them for the rest of their life as husbands and as fathers, as leaders, uh, as businessmen. It's a very real thing. It's a very practical thing. Uh, but keeping the main thing, the main thing is what that is all about, not uh, prostituting, you know, these kids. So really strong from Brent Venables there, right? And I want to make one thing very clear because some would hear that and be like, we're going to fall behind the NIL game. No, not at all. That's what you're seeing is a reaction to the future, right? This is now, hey, all right, so that we're still kind of trying to fill it out. All right, it's been felt out. Here's what it's going to look like. This is it. This is, this is what a lasting, effective, fingers crossed, collective is going to look like fingers crossed, with what Texas is doing, with what Tennessee is doing, with what Oklahoma is trying to do. That's This is now going to be the blueprint that you're going to see followed all over the country. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, Oklahoma's leading the way. I'm, I'm not trying to be an arrogant person. But it's just this is going to be it, I think. And I think they're going to try to get away from some of the rogue collectives. That's not to say the big-time boosters won't be involved in this and help to kind of juice it a bit. But the reality is nobody's getting rich on collectives. There's a, it's kind of like life. <laughs> There's a handful of people that are doing really, really well. And not a lot of it has to do with anything outside of, I'm trying to think about products that want to be involved and companies that want to be involved with them because everyone's kind of getting about the same thing from schools, right? Kind of, kind of getting about the same thing. It's all right. Fowler Toyota wants to be a part of it. So here's a car and a couple grand beats, you know, the Caleb Williams thing, raising canes, you know, that's, it's like life. There's a certain amount of money that everyone's going to make. But there's always going to be people that are going to be at a higher level. Yeah, the of Bryce Youngs and Caleb Williams. Ding, ding. The quarterbacks, right? 
Basically. And for I would say for softball, it would go beyond in, in women's sports and women's sports in general, and you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong, the ability now to profit off of giving lessons and things of that nature are huge and having camps. That's a big money maker for them because Jim, that same thing. It's just you were never able to do that. And now that you can, I mean, what's more impactful on a a young girl or a parent that's wanting to get his daughter a scholarship than to have the opportunity to work with Jada Coleman or T.R.A. Jennings or Grace Lyons, for goodness sake. So the biggest stars in those sports, Plank, will be able to cash in. Exactly. Because I do think, look, companies are looking for influencers. And if if you're a Maggie Nichols, guess what? You're going to get some money. That's right. If you're Lauren Chamberlain, if you're Jocelyn Allo, you you will you will be seen and you will get uh big deals beyond that you know i i don't know what what the monetary amount will be but i do think stars will get paid handsomely i think it's going to be about like life <laughs> and it will create issues probably coaches will have to balance and navigate that but you know these what what coach Vittable said about you know some of it you know is is it really true it's like, I mean, are we really seeing dudes get eight, nine million dollar deals in in scholar in, as far as NIL deals? You know, maybe, maybe that but, I don't think is sustainable. But th- exactly, I mean, who was the guy that everyone invested in the last two years? DJ Uyunglele and Spencer Rattler, and it just didn't materialize. So, well, and when, when I spoke with Jason Belzer. Of the Crimson and Cream Collective. Right. He seemed to be of the mindset that somewhere around $10 million for all of Oklahoma would keep OU competitive. Sure. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. But I do think that we are in a – we're in a position that you're, you're – it's viewed as reactive because of all the stories we've heard – over what now the last is is can we say full year year and a half even of of nil and understanding collectives but we're entering to where okay this is it's really starting now here we go yes maybe you could say you're behind but what has it done for texas a&m and what has it done for these schools i mean outside of caleb williams to usc show me the great incredible nil success story it's hard to find Right? It really, truly is. Well, and I still think we're very early. But now we're understanding this collective mindset and how it can best be, I think, how it can best be used to help these young men and women profit off their name and image likeness while not completely taking away from their schoolwork or completely taking away from their athletic ability. I mean, I don't think it's sustainable to have uh, anyone have to do three different interviews uh, because one collective is paying him 200 bucks for that interview. Um, Boom Crew is 150 here. Uh, strengthening Oklahoma's one, whatever it might be, right? I mean, it's just I don't think that's sustainable, and I think everyone's looked at it and realized it's not. So I, I, not, not getting off on a collective rant. Just thought that was a really good point by Brent Venables. All right, here's another good one from BV. This is on, like he's talking about loyalty, right? And some were like, 
with loyalty, you're asking kids that are at other schools to do the same thing. You know, you're asking them to leave their school and come to you. How do you balance that? Uh, how do you balance that wanting your guys yeah, to stay? I'm, but I'm really, yeah, I'm really talking about, I'm talking, uh, the loyalty is, is these guys that are uh, near, the, they're, they're at the end of their career, and and so there's something that's next. I'm not talking about guys that are picking up, leaving, going to another school, uh, you know. That's going to happen. You know, guys are unhappy with their opportunity. Uh, you know, there's a maturation. Sometimes it's a it's a mutual thing. You know, uh, guys aren't invested. They show up every day. They they they're uh, they're doing the bare minimum. Uh, they're looking for holes in the fence or a corner to cut. Uh, bring no value uh, to the environment and have no appreciation for their opportunity. Sometimes you know it's good to have. A mutual agreement. I'm not talking about that. You know, I am trying to help guys grow up. Sometimes it's because a guy's immature in how he thinks, and so everybody's the litmus test, and, and is different for everybody. But I'm really talking about uh, guys, for example, that are aspiring to to go to the NFL, whether that's early uh, or um, that they're they're finishing, you know, their collegiate eligibility to finish what you started. That's what I'm talking about. When I talk about loyalty, a brotherhood, uh, finish what you started. Um, just for me personally, I could, I would, I could never. I don't, I don't understand how you can. I don't understand how you can do that. You know, uh, unless you, ha unless you're a, again a guy that. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I've seen it. So uh, the opposite way. You know, somebody that, you know, a top ten pick or uh, something like that. That, for whatever reason, that's the best. You know, in his best interest, not to not to participate and finish, uh, you know, the season. So, you know, it's easy for me to sit up here and say, but I, I just want to create, you know, an environment. And again, I've had, uh, you know, 30 years of of loyalty, you know, to to my job. I took this job. I didn't play. I didn't coach in a bowl game, uh, but this is the one head coaching job I took. And you know, uh, I felt like I needed to do that for the betterment of the team, so I could. I'm leading 120 guys and, uh, you know, 50-plus people from a staff standpoint. There's a lot of work to be done uh, that I couldn't do both. Uh, you know, getting ready to play in the NFL, uh, the best thing you can do is keep playing and gaining experience and improving and showing your worth and your, uh, your value by how you play. That's how you get drafted. Uh, for me as a head coach, the best thing I could do was – was um, step away, not be a distraction, and do the best job I could. You know, connecting with the players, hiring the staff, developing programs, things of that nature. I'm just thinking both sides of the of the coin in uh, making sure I defend myself, I guess, because uh, it's like I said, it can sound self self serving, but I've I've lived a, a career of that from a coach standpoint, and I was a player, and so and I get it. So sorry. Um, I, I liked what Coach did there because as he was going through this, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, loyalty whenever you're going off to the NFL and things or things of that nature. He's like, I'm you know, I'm just looking at it and I know you could sit there and look at me. He's like, Well, you didn't coach the bowl too. He's like, Well, I had the responsibility of hundred and twenty men when I came here. I thought that was pretty good on loyalty. Do we got time for one? Oh, let's break. I got so much more from BB. Um Building momentum when we come back. What is the key for the Sooners? We also have our top five stories today presented by Newcastle Casino. 
And Josh, I'm feeling feeling like moving our picks up to today. Why not, you know? I mean, I I haven't entered my Ref Royal Rumble pick yet for this week. Although this is the last week, right? This week and one more. So, oh, we get one more. I'm at least eliminated from championship oh, me contention. Too. But we don't want to finish DFL. So we've got to come up with some winners here. We'll get mm-hmm. to it next right here on The Ref. <laughs> oh, breaking news from the National Football League, Josh Helmer. The New York Jets have announced that Mike White will get the start at quarterback. Zach Wilson benched. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm watching this breaking news alert on the NFL Network right now. And literally, it was over the highlight of Zach Wilson doing the gritty after his touchdown against Pittsburgh. I really need the Jets to implode. Don't know why. Just kind of really need the Jets to implode. Uh, breaking news, Mike White will be the starting quarterback for the Jets on Sunday against the Bears. Now, uh, I thought Joey Helmer asked a really good question of one Brent Venables during the BV press conference yesterday. Uh, and it involved foundational conversations, right? You talked about loyalty. We talked about staying on for a bowl game. What about the foundation that this group of seniors had stayed around and stuck it out, what that's meant for the future, not just the current, but the future of this program? You know, I think they're great examples of, of what you want it to look like. They're all playing their best football, too, and it's amazing how that works. But if you stay committed, you know, this is a developmental game. The more you play, the better you get. Uh, the law of the bamboo, it may not happen those first few years, but you just keep uh, plugging away and um, cultivating, and next thing you know, they poof, man, come out of nowhere and uh, have this monstrous uh, last you know, year or so of their career. Uh, and so, but those guys, from a leadership standpoint, examples of people that you can point to, of the success that they're having uh, in the moment and, and enjoying it, even though, uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, we're – We just won our sixth game, all right, so we're not having this amazing season from a a win-loss perspective, but they're having the time of their life. And Deshaun will tell you that he's never been closer to a group of people, uh, and he's loving the journey, and he feels like he's working harder than he ever has. And so I think that's a great thing. That's a great testimony, Uh, you know, and I'm – you guys can interview and ask those questions to the other guys. I think you you would you would hear the same thing from s- several other guys. I don't want them to be happy. They're losing games. What are we doing talking about being happy? But they are. They're having fun with it. It's a process. Um, we got time for one more. Ten forty six. Sure, why not? Building momentum. Now I've previewed this one a wee bit. I thought this was pretty good. Again, I've been trying to create loyalty to um, the journey, loyalty to the brand, loyalty uh, to their teammates, uh, their brotherhood. That's a very real thing. Uh, you know, you're not going to just do it overnight. Um, we've had problems with that in the past. Is in here at Oklahoma. Uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, most, first and foremost, it's being committed to something and finishing what you started. Uh, and, and at some point in time, that's got to mean something. Relationships, uh, you know, your opportunity, being thankful for your opportunity. And you, you, you play your whole uh, career, any sport, and there's always a risk, you know, for injury, things of that nature. But uh, I think it, you know, just as a man, that's, uh, you know, you do what you say you're going to do. And 
no matter no matter what. And so I'm not a big fan of, of that. I know it's a popular thing uh, that's out there, uh, but there's plenty of places that you don't see it really happen uh, much at all. And that's what I'm trying to create uh, here. And- oh, by the way, I introduced the wrong cut. That was the cut on opting out of bowl games early. So I think you all kind of figured that out halfway through. But as you can tell, he's not very much a uh, fan of that. Here is the cut about building the momentum over the last three games. Yeah, I think a sense of urgency maybe is what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You've got a bunch of guys that are really prideful, uh, that have been incredibly uh, successful when all the moving parts are there together. Uh, like most uh, units, they've, they've done incredibly well all year. And, um, you know, some of it is um, precision, some of it's timing, some of it's uh, uh, you know, play call, some of it's uh, how we handled it uh, as a staff, um, some of it's missed opportunity, you know, a bunch of different things. And uh, so, uh, to me, you know, creating a sense of urgency um, is, is definitely, you know, priority number one. And, and I, don't th- I think that's easy to cast you know, that's, that's, you know, I don't think everybody shares in a lack of urgency, you know, either. But it doesn't take much when you're not executing well. So, uh, you know, that's fair to say that, you know, that's a part that's, again, you got to have, you know, show up like your hair's on fire and you got something to prove. You know, you, in, in some ways your back's against the wall, you know. I think that's, you know, as a competitor, you know, you you want to show that that's, not reflective of really, you know, who we are and who we've been. So in other words, we're not going to go out there and face plan on Saturday because that's not who we are. Love it. Well, and we're not fat and happy with six yeah. wins in a bowl game appearance. That's not where Still ticked st- off about five losses. <laughs> that's not where the standard is at OU. All right, quick break. One more cut from BV when we come back uh, on C.J. Colden and the nice run that the Sooner transfer cornerback has had down the stretch, filling in for Jaden Davis. That's next right here on The Ref. Yeah, just had a lot of energy, very humble, uh, articulate. He was very thankful for the opportunity he had where he was. Uh, was a good player for them. And um, so he had nothing but great things to say about the environment that he was in every day. Uh, so I like that as opposed to saying, man, I got to get out of here. Uh, this place stinks whatever, you know, just so that was important in our initial conversation and um, never asked for anything. He didn't want uh, me to explain to him, you know, you know, how quickly he become become the starter, things like that. So he just, uh, he was thankful to have an opportunity to come. And everybody that I had spoken to spoke very highly of him from the standpoint of, work ethic and competitiveness, uh, great teammate, things of that nature. So those are some of our initial conversations and first impression. It was really, uh, we, we liked what we saw on tape. Uh, we knew we were thin, you know, in the secondary. And, uh, you know, the biggest disappointment that was that we couldn't, you know, we were working through some things, uh, you know, from a transfer standpoint. And, uh, when we found out he couldn't be here for spring ball, that was obviously disappointing. Still would have taken him anyway, um, but it put him a little bit behind, uh, you know, some of the other guys. There you go. C.J. Colden. It's had a nice run, right? And 
when when I look at the in trying to figure out who does and who does not have another year remaining for Oklahoma, which of of all the things that I was told whenever they announced the seniors is just because a senior was being announced doesn't necessarily mean that he's he's gone could still come back could be a decision to be made but as far as how they're listed on the school's website CJ Colden is a guy that I I don't I I think he's got a chance to come back right he's not listed as one of those red shirt fifth year guys he is I think he's just listed as a yeah he's listed as a red shirt senior so the people in that group of redshirt seniors, as I understand it, includes guys that have an opportunity to come back, like a Drake Stoops, like a Jonah Laula, C.J. Colton, Justin Harrington. I'm just I'm listing guys that have have played, and a Jordan Kelly. So, that, what would that, be that's dis- my understanding? What would be the distinction where you know that they can't come back? They're They've exhausted their eligibility. Red fifth year is my understanding. Fifth year? Yeah. So that would be Justin Broyles, Michael Turk, Casey Kelleher, and Robert Conjol. we got to get through this COVID thing, man. It is impossible to keep tabs on. So, and, again, that's, those, are, that's my, those are the only four on Oklahoma's roster that don't have another year of eligibility. In fact, Mike Hauke, if you're listening, just put on the website. <laughs> How many years they come back. Left? Instead of what year they are, just how many years they've got left. I think that's what I think that's what Ohio State did on their website. Instead of like gone, it doesn't say gone, but it's <laughs> he gone. one year, two years, three years. But then you're like, what does that one year mean? This year, right now, or another year after this? What does it mean? So, in all the talk of CJ Cole, and I think he's got a chance to come back. We got a break. When we come back, right here on the ref, we'll at the top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino Plus. We're going to get our picks in here on a Wednesday because of a triple header football day on Thursday. It's the ref.